The first reading of the Bible comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 51, verses 10 through 12, and can be found on 573 in your pew Bible. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is the word of the Lord. Today's second scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 5 through 17, and can be found on page 1134 in your pew Bible. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives within you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit so that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This too is the word of the Lord. Please join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, help us this morning through your Spirit to hear your word, and then help us as we leave this place to do your will. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but a popular feature on many websites these days, many uh, apps is about this and not that. These articles and these websites tell all about 
this and not that. So for example, there's a website called Eat This, Not That. And it gives advice on healthy eating with a, with a series of Eat This, Not That suggestions. So my opinion as I looked at that website, Eat This, Not That, pretty predictable stuff, right? So olive oil, not butter. Uh, drink pomegranate juice, not Coca-Cola, right? Uh, feast on coniferous cruciferous vegetables instead of processed meats. Snack on carrots, not on donuts. To be fair, the website did say that they were promoting healthy eating, not tasty eating. So take that advice as it's given, right? All right, but this not that advice, it's not only limited to eating, it's also limited to what we might want to buy at Ikea. There's a website devoted to buy this, not that, at Ikea. So in case you're curious, in the buy this column, I have to read this here, are the Fintorp utensil holders and the Burosta extendable tables. Anyone have those? No? no. And the not that column, the Endlig knife set, and the Sunersta Mini Kitchen. If you have any of those, you might have a different opinion, but that is what this website tells us about buy this, not that. So hopefully we've got the idea now of this, not that. Important for us to know about this, not that this morning is that a better option is being presented to us and then commended to us. And it's about a better choice being revealed to us. And then our being instructed to embrace it. Our passage from Romans 8 today, you might say that the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is doing very much the same thing. He's identifying for us a better option. And then he's commending it to us. He's revealing a better choice for us and then instructing us to embrace it. He's, not, he's giving us this, not that advice, just as I gave you earlier. But the advice he's giving has nothing to do with what you buy at Ikea or what you eat for a snack. No, it has to do with two things, which in the original Greek of the New Testament are called pneuma and sarks. So what exactly are pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, and sarks, S-A-R-X? What are pneuma and sarks? Well, in case you're rusty on your biblical Greek, uh, let me just take a moment before we dive into Romans 8 to explain and to illustrate what pneuma and sarks are all about. I understand this might be a review for some of you, but I think a refresher might not be a bad idea. So let's start with sarks. What is the sarks thing in the original Greek language that, that Paul is talking about in Romans 8? Well, imagine with me the following Christmas time scene. There are two children beside a beautifully and lovingly decorated Christmas tree. 
these two children sitting there, they're not holding candles in their hands and singing Silent Night. No, they are fighting over a Christmas gift. Child number one wants to play with the gift child number two has received. But child number two refuses to share that gift. So in response, child number one tries to forcibly take the gift away from child number two. And they end up in a ball on the floor wrestling for that gift. Anyone seen that happen? Just, just my brothers and sisters? Is that, is that it? Right. So in my estimation, in my estimation, this is a pretty typical example of human behavior. No one, after all, had to teach these children how to fight over that gift. Their parents didn't have to say, now Johnny or Susie, whatever, this is how you fight over a gift. We're going to just go through it from A to Z this morning. No. Those kids knew how to do that. They knew how to do it, no problem. They came about this urge, this, this me urge, quite naturally. You might say they were even born to it. They each wanted this gift for themselves in that moment. And they were going to do whatever was necessary to either take it or retain it. This, because it was in their nature to do so. So, Congregation of Jesus Christ, I might suggest that this is Sarks, S-A-R-X, in action. This illustration, I believe, captures much of the meaning of this Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses over and over again in Romans 8. So let's define Sarks for our purposes this morning, then, as the very natural me-urge, the me-urge that is within every one of us. It's the, the natural urge to always consider what we want, what we deserve, and what the world owes us. It's the natural urge within us to make our lives revolve around me, myself, and I. It's the natural urge within us to live life on our own terms, according to our own will, in our own way. It's the natural urge within us to gain and to get, to acquire and to achieve for ourselves. Sarks, the me urge, is the natural urge within us to, if we can help it, never serve, never submit, never sacrifice, but to live for self. Okay, so that is Sarks. Let's now define pneuma. We're going to try to define pneuma this way. I'm not going to ask you to imagine anything. I'm just going to tell you the real story of a real family, the Wilsons. I'm going to tell you this story about the Wilsons who adopted a boy, a boy who was abandoned by his parents, a boy with significant disabilities. The Wilson family adopted a boy even though they had three kids of their own. And the reason they did so 
was not simply to have a child, but no, they had three already. The Wilsons adopted this child, this boy, purely in order to offer him a better life than he would have otherwise faced in an orphanage. The Wilsons, you see, wanted to offer this boy a life of love, particularly the love of God, but also their love. And so, empowered by the Holy Spirit, they chose selflessly, at great cost, to adopt this child. And so this is now where the word pneuma comes in. You might say that with respect to this adoption and the Wilson family, pneuma made him do it. Pneuma made him do it. Over the years, the, the Holy Spirit had shaped and formed these believers into the kind of people who would perform such a selfless act of compassion. The Holy Spirit made them make the decision they did. And so one day when that opportunity arose to do this, they were empowered to do so by the Spirit. The Spirit working in them for many years and at that one moment. So let's define Numa then as the Spirit demonstrated in our lives. Numa then is living a life which is all about the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrated in our priorities and in our preferences, in our behaviors, and in our attitudes, in our decisions, and in our choices. Numa is about the power of the Holy Spirit enabling us to live as God would have us live, to be as God would have us be. It's about obedience to his commands and conformity to his will. Numa is about imitating Jesus Christ in what we do, say, and think. It's about imitating his holiness and his righteousness, his love and compassion, his service, and his sacrifice. So we have Sarks and we have Numa. I have now a test question. It's going to be the easiest test question you'll ever be asked in your life. And I know many of you have been asked very hard test questions over your lives. But this, I think, is going to be the easiest one ever. With regard to Sark's pneuma, which do you think the Apostle Paul is telling us in Romans 8 should be this? And which do you think the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 is telling us should be not that? Now, before you answer this, I'm going to make it even easier for you by reading part of the passage. And as I do so, I'm going to insert that original Greek word, those Greek words, Sark's and pneuma, into the text in place of the translated English words that many of you have uh, that you might see in the English Bible. In English, Sarks is often translated as the flesh or sometimes also as sinful nature. Pneuma is translated as the spirit. So for this, again, for our purposes this morning, we're just going to use those two original Greek words that Paul used as we discussed them before. I'll start at Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the sarks, the me-urge, have their minds set on what that sarks desires. But those who live in accordance with the pneuma, the spirit's power, have their minds set on what the pneuma desires. 
The mind controlled by the sarks, the mirage, is death. But the mind controlled by the pneuma, the spirit's power, is life and peace. The sarks is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sarks cannot please God. So I think that test question got even easier for us this morning, right? Clearly, we are to live according to this, the pneuma, and not that, the sarks. We're to live according to the Spirit's power and not according to the me-urge. All right, let's step back from that a bit now. Let's step back from Numa and Sarks and ask yourselves the following question. Why is Paul telling the Roman believers and us all this stuff about Sarks and Numa? Why is he telling these believers and, and us uh, about these things? Why is he on about Numa and Sarks and Numa and Sarks so much in this passage from Romans 8? Well, this is why Paul started out, you might remember, you might remember from earlier in chapter 8, if you've read it on your own ever, that Paul starts out this chapter by declaring that for those in Christ Jesus, there is no longer any condemnation. Paul's point is that through his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ has made it possible for those who believe in him to be set, from the, set free from the penalty of sin that they deserve. I'll just read it. 8 verse 1. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So that's the good news of the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? The gift of salvation through Jesus Christ both explained and celebrated by Paul here. But now here's the key. For Paul... Salvation doesn't end with being saved. I'll say it again. Salvation does not end with being saved. No. For the saved, there is now a new life to be lived in which the pneuma is in charge and not the sarks. The spirit's power which takes priority and not that of the sarks. In fact, for Paul, this new life in which the Spirit's power overcomes the merge is not, I'm just going to use a, a baking analogy here, this new life is, is not just the icing on the salvation cake. No, this new life is actually the proof of the salvation pudding. It's what validates the salvation that one has received through faith in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul goes on to say about it, making very clear that the life of anyone who, belong, who professes to belong to Jesus Christ, that their life must look like this new life, lived according to the Spirit's power and not according to the sarks, the, the me-urge. This is what he says, verse 9. You, however, are, not are controlled not by the sarks, but by the pneuma, if the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have Christ's pneuma, his, his power, he does not belong to Christ. So in case there were any doubt, any confusion about the absolute necessity 
of embracing this new life lived in the Spirit's power and rejecting this old life lived by the Sarx's power, the mirage. Paul goes on to say this in verse 12. And note in verse 12 here, he does not call it an option. He calls it an obligation. An obligation. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the Sarks, to the Meerge, to live according to it. For if you live according to the Sarks, you will die. But if by the pneuma you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the pneuma are sons of God. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? Pretty sobering what Paul writes here. If we live our lives primarily according to this me urge, clearly we don't get it. And clearly we don't have it. If we live our lives primarily according to this me urge, we, we don't get what it means to live like someone who has been saved by Jesus Christ. And we don't have the eternal salvation that is given through him. Sobering business. Very sobering. But Paul's words here are not just sobering, they are inspiring and encouraging. As Paul goes on to, he, he goes on to celebrate this in, in verses 14 through 18. If we are indeed led by the Spirit's power, we are considered the very children of God. And as his children, we belong irrevocably to him. And we are heirs to the eternal inheritance that he has in store for us. This idea of being the very children of God is, of course, it's worth a whole sermon on its own. Unfortunately, this morning, we don't have time to, to dive into it, to delve into it in, in depth. But suffice to say here that it is great cause for celebration among those who, by the Spirit's power, possess the Spirit's power. To be considered the very children of God. To belong to him forever and to be heirs of the inheritance he has in store for us. This is no small gift. This is no small grace. So if you wonder what this morning, what it looks like to live that pneuma life. You could do no better than looking at the fruits of the pneuma. The fruit of the Spirit. What the pneuma looks like is a life of love, joy, and peace. A, love, a life of patience, kindness, and goodness. A life of faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a life first and foremost oriented toward Jesus Christ and the priorities and the practices of his kingdom. And as such then, it's a life oriented toward the welfare of others, toward their gain, toward their good. As you can imagine, this looks so different from the life ruled by Sarks, the Sarks. A life full of selfish ambition and self-interested aspirations, self-serving actions and self-righteous thoughts. A life of doing things our way, not God's way, not anyone else's way, our way. The Sark's life could even look like a, could even sometimes look like a, a life of righteousness, rules, and religion. But in the end, it will be ultimately a life devoid 
of faith, hope, and love. No, the Sark's life couldn't be more different from the Numa life. So as we close this morning, let's engage in some self-examination. It's a good thing, self-examination. Always a good thing for us as people of God to do. Let's think about Numa and Sarks and about which is in control of our lives. Let's take a little time now to walk ourselves through a a short self-inventory to apply this truth that Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given us this morning. So as we think about, for example, our goals and aspirations for ourselves and in our lives, is it the pneuma that shapes and directs them? Or is it the sarks that shapes and directs them? The spirit's power? Or the me urge? Or if we think about our goals and aspirations for our children or for our grandchildren. Numa or Sarks? The me urge or the spirit's power? Or when we think about our relationships, the relationships we pursue, the friendships we develop, the acquaintances we make, all the motivations behind these relations that we have, relationships that we have. Is it the Spirit's power or is it Sark's, the me-urge behind these motivations, behind these relationships? Or as we consider another relationship, the rela- our relationship with the body of Christ, the, the visible uh, church, uh, God's visible church in this world, as we consider, for example, our involvement in the church or our commitment to the church, our presence at the church, or our participation in the church, uh, our service to the church, or our, our support of the church. Numa or Sarks? Spirit's power or the me urge? As we decide about how we spend our money, how we save our money, how we donate our money, Numa. Or Sarks. As we encounter people who are different from us, who are difficult, who are even disagreeable, Numa or Sarks. What takes over in that moment? Numa or Sarks in these encounters? As we post to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, as we tweet or retweet, as we comment on an online forum. Where's that all coming from? Numa or Sarks? The last one I say with some hesitation because I would be afraid to answer it myself. As we drive our cars, <laughs> Numa or Sarks? The Spirit's power or the meat urge? Much of what I just mentioned is complex, deals with complex issues for which there are seldom easy answers. But my concern and Apostle Paul's concern and God's concern here is 
why we are making the choices we're making, why we're making the decisions we're making. Are we making them because that me urge, the sarks, is in charge? Or are we making them because the pneuma, Christ's spirit, is in charge? And really, that's the question for all of us this morning. Let me end with this. Until Christ again, Christ comes again, our lives as believers will always be a struggle. They will be a struggle between the pneuma and the sarks. It's not like when we are granted salvation, the sarks disappears, no more, it's gone forever, and we just have the pneuma, the Spirit's power in our lives. Nope, that is not the way it is at all. Both the sarks and the pneuma will be present in us as long as we live our lives on this earth before Christ returns. And so the, the question for us all is ultimately one of control. It's one of control. Which one has ultimately control in our lives? Which one is the prevailing power in our existence? Which one is calling the shots? Is it the pneuma or Sarks? The Spirit's power or this merge? God is faithful. God is faithful, and he has promised that for those who have truly embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he will give them his pneuma, his spirit, so that they can most definitely live by the Spirit's power and not by that of the Sarks. And so may God in our lives make it abundantly evident, abundantly evident, that is the pneuma who's in charge and not the sarks. And in this way, we will witness to his faithfulness and to the Spirit's power. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the salvation you have given us in Jesus Christ, your Son. We pray that by your Spirit, you would shape and form us so that we would more and more be people of your pneuma instead of our sarks. Transform us into people who ever and always display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.